Steamtown Church. Good morning uh, to our, our online guests, our church family. Um, uh, the Lord held off the rain for our 9 a.m. outdoor devotional service. We just wrapped up a, a series. In fact, uh, for our online viewers, the 9 a.m., um, no masks, we just social distance. And we went through, over the last three weeks, we looked at the temptation of Christ. It was awesome. And going forward through the month of August for our 9 a.m. devotional service, we're going to be doing a study on anger. I mean, Ken, you know, like we got the pandemic going on. I'm sure that none of us have seen anyone angry anywhere in the U.S. Um, for the 1030 service, we are in a sermon series, Sermons from a Preacher's Heart. And I'd like to introduce our speaker this morning. As of August, Jason is beginning his internship, his pastoral internship at Steamtown Church. This is the first time that Jason is bringing us the word of God this morning. And so would you please welcome our pastoral intern, Jason Matthews. Awesome. I see you, D. Augustine boys. Well, hey, good morning. As Dennis said, uh, my name is Jason, and it is such a privilege and a joy to be able to uh, come before you this morning to preach God's Word. I know for me, as I continue to grow in my faith, my hope is that I can share how I have been shaped by Jesus so that we as a church can pursue a life rooted in our love and our devotion to Him. Well, this morning, we're going to take a few moments to examine what we will call the art of joyful suffering, the art of joyful suffering. We recognize that the life of believers is not one marked by ease, nor is it all about good, what we may call Christian moments, uh, but rather we are marked by our devotion to Jesus, living as disciples and servants for His kingdom. And God, no matter the circumstances that we may face. And often, uh, the life devoted to Christ brings about suffering. We all have experienced suffering to some extent in our life, some of us more than others. And the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, sees suffering as the greatest joy a Christian can experience. So what I would like you to do, if you have your Bible or your, uh, your phone app, please turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. And if you are able, please stand as we read God's word together this morning. I'm going to read our passage, I'm going to pray, and then we'll take a few moments to dive into our text for this morning. This is Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. And please jump with me to verse 19. For I know that through your prayers, the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. And I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. 
I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. And Father, for the opportunity that we have each week to worship you, to pray knowing that we are speaking with a real person, and now in these next few moments to examine your word. Uh, Father, I pray that as we uh, take a few moments to see what it means to suffer joyfully, that we all would draw more near to you, and that we would recognize that our faith in times of joy and trial produces confidence, a new perspective, and a perseverance to continually point to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may all be seated, thank you. Well, in the, uh, the 1993 movie, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? This movie is built on the idea of suffering and tragedy. Uh, Gilbert is a young man living in Enora, Iowa, which actually is a real town. It is a colorless town with an even more detached atmosphere than Gilbert's bleak outlook on life. He has a job delivering groceries. He maintains an affair with a married woman and has a very complicated life at home that often leaves him feeling strung out. Forced to take on the role of the man of the house following his father's suicide, and with his mother's struggles that leave her bedridden, Gilbert takes on the responsibility over his two sisters and his wonderful younger son, Arnie, who has autism. The whole movie is about the constant struggles of suffering that never seems to end with Gilbert and his family's life. Scene after scene, we just get hit with another point of suffering that just never seems to end. And tragically, the movie ends, and it does not give much room for restoration or deliverance. And sadly, while we all may not hear of stories as tragic as the one of Gilbert Grape, we have in our own lives and others seen the devastating effects of suffering. And the Bible talks a lot about suffering and calls us to be joyful in our sufferings. Now, I know joyful suffering seems like an oxymoron. I don't really get happy when I have times of suffering. I can think back through a few times in my life when uh, I have experienced suffering, and I know that every single moment, I don't want it to continue. But as we saw from our text earlier, Paul, who is in a deep state of suffering, rejoices in Christ and, and seeks to live not for himself, but for the benefit of Jesus and his kingdom. Uh, Paul speaks about suffering for the gospel. Now, the gospel means good news, which is the good news about Jesus Christ. Uh, the news, this news is that humanity was, by our sinful hearts, unable to be in the presence of God, which is separating us from him. And the only way which we can return to God the Father was through atonement, which means payment for our sins. And Jesus, God's only son, was willingly sent to this earth, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross for the sins of humanity. 
And on the third day, when Jesus rose from the dead, he not only defeated death, but he successfully paid the debt for all humanity's sin. And anyone who wants a new life, who believes that Christ has done this for them and put their faith in him, will receive the grace of God and the gift of eternal life. Ultimately, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he has been recognized now as the king of the world. He is our savior and our king. And Paul's good news was that we have a king and all who believe in him will be saved and made new. And this message of hope and salvation is so worth living for that even in our times of suffering, it is worth pointing to this good news. The message of salvation is a hope worth living for, and Paul willingly preaches the gospel through his sufferings because he recognizes how important it is for all the world to come and know who Jesus is. Biblical suffering means that we pursue Jesus in his gospel through our darkest hour so that our confidence, perspective, and our perseverance are grounded in him alone. And Paul describes this for him and hopefully what will be our lives, the art of joyful suffering. I'm going to return here to uh, verse 12. Firstly, we see that joyful suffering produces confidence. Hear these words. And I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And as a result of it, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Joyful suffering produces confidence. We know that God will always triumph over the wicked plans of demon and wicked men in the world and will triumph out of what we may call tragedy and bring beauty from ashes. In the letter to the Philippians, Paul is writing out of a two-year house arrest in Rome. As one may assume, going to prison would bring a pretty significant halt to one's public ministry. Uh, I know that if I were to, for some reason, go to prison, it would be very difficult for me to maintain all my contacts and continue to minister here in the city of Scranton. However, Paul's imprisonment, as he describes, was actually considered beneficial for the sake of the gospel. Paul continued to effectively minister and write while he was on house arrest. This is, there were many letters actually written back and forth between Paul and the Philippian churches. Uh, and this one that we are reading today was one of those letters that was penned. Uh, beginning in verse 12, as we see, Paul points out that his imprisonment has in fact been beneficial. The whole palace guard, the, the, the people watching him, imagine being chained to people Man, it was really easy to share the gospel in those circumstances. And Paul took advantage of this. He preached the gospel to the palace guard. Guards were being saved. People in the community were being saved. And Paul wrote four of the uh, letters that we have in our Bible from that place of house arrest. So Paul's point is twofold. That circumstance and suffering are not detrimental to us being effective ministers for the kingdom of God. Our circumstance and our suffering should not deter us from preaching the gospel that we talked about at the beginning. 
We all are in a multitude of circumstances every single day. Even during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, we daily are in the communities of our neighborhoods, we're in our workplaces, some of us, and we're in our own little circles and friend groups. And further, we all experience days of total joy, and we also face days of extreme trial. But in all of these things, we have the opportunity and the biblical mandate to preach the gospel. You see, our suffering provides a unique and powerful basis for proclaiming the gospel through our words and through our response to suffering. Paul was chained in Caesar's palace in which he daily preached the gospel to the guards and the attendants in this palace, bringing about a gospel explosion in what we could refer to as his own little neighborhood. And we can also assume, though, that Paul, upon his imprisonment, he heard things from people like, oh, Paul, we feel so sorry for you. Or, Paul, we can't wait till you're out of prison and back to us. I know that I've done this when someone tells me something uh, tragic going in their life. My first response is, oh, I'm so sorry. We, it's, it's, all, it's a response that all of us naturally have when we hear about times of suffering. However, Paul, he, he flips that on his head. He actually goes, no, the gospel is advancing even more than from when before I was imprisoned. Again, our circumstances can always serve as a chance to point to Jesus and advance the good news about him. Us preaching Jesus through our circumstances especially our sufferings, gives others, others confident to do the same. Just imagine, imagine how uh, encouraging it would have been to hear from Paul, who's in prison, saying, guys, don't weep for me. Don't feel sorry for me. Be excited. The good news about Jesus is still being preached through my circumstance. Sometimes, all of us, we don't realize that our suffering will be even more powerful for the furtherment of the gospel than our prospering. Again, our suffering will be even more powerful for the furtherance of the gospel than our prospering. We as people, we love motivational stories. I know that I get really excited when someone tells me about a story that's like just something awesome that they did. I'm like, I gotta go do this right now. I can't even do, like, I see, I love watching, like, skateboarding and biking videos, <laughs> and I see these guys doing these crazy tricks, and I'm like, I, I don't even know how to ride a skateboard, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go do that. So we love these motivational stories, right? We get excited by them. And every single day, we see shared articles and news stories and videos of people accomplishing extraordinary things through exceptional circumstances. There's something about the out of the ordinary that excites us and gives us a momentary confidence to participate in the same thing that they are doing. And the same effect it happens here in verse 14. He says, because of my chains, most of the brothers of the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of the Lord. Paul accomplishes the extraordinary task of advancing the good news, the gospel about Jesus from the exceptional circumstance of being in prison. And you... I, we all have, as believers, the ability to impact the communities that we live in through living for Jesus in all of our circumstances. See, in moments of suffering, we tend to watch people to see how they react. 
But just imagine a world in which all Christians, in times of joy and trial, continued to preach about Jesus with boldness and intentionality. Just imagine a world where millions of people in their greatest of days and their darkest of hours continue to proclaim that Jesus is King and has died on the cross for the sins of the world and by faith in him we receive life. Imagine a world preaching that through their hardships, the confidence that would come up around the world would impact us and the communities so greatly that it would be as infinitely impactful as Paul's ministry. And we have seen Paul who brought about significant change and whose words still inspire us today. As Christians, times of suffering are opportunities for us to press into advancing the gospel and living for Jesus. How we react to suffering creates opportunities for us to either preach about the gospel of Jesus or to run away from our faith in him. Joyful suffering produces confidence. Secondly, beginning in verse 19, we see that joyful suffering produces perspective. Joyful suffering produces good perspective. I'll read this again, verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and with the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Joyful suffering produces perspective. The art of suffering well forces people to embrace the situations that they are in and recognize what their foundation is and what their motivation is. See, points of suffering can easily break down people who are not grounded in Christ. Suffering feels chaotic. Hardships, we don't want them. We often don't anticipate them. And so if we are not grounded in truth, if we do not have some source that is guiding our life, these times of suffering are gonna carry us like a wind and waves of the ocean or like a tree leaf blowing in the wind. However, Paul states that even in his time of turmoil, he will in no way be ashamed of the gospel. And further, he will, ex he will live to exalt Christ through the whole of his life, even to the point of death. This passage suggests that Christians who build their life on the fullness of Christ and the hope of the gospel will live in a perspective that even death or the worst circumstances of our life are nothing to fear. Imagine that, being so rooted in your faith and in Jesus that even the most chaotic times of our life bring no fear to us. As Christians, our hope and desire should always be that we are never ashamed of the gospel, but rather we always have a fearless and outspoken witness for Jesus. And no matter the outcome of our situation, our ambition or our goal is that Christ should be magnified in our lives. Verse 21 again, it says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now this word magnify, it does not mean to make Christ 
great. He is already great. There is nothing we can do to add to Christ's greatness or to make him better. He is already perfect as he is. But rather to magnify Christ means that he is to be esteemed, worshiped, or praised by others. It means that our life is such that others come to know Christ through watching how we live, what our perspective is, how we glorify Jesus through all of our situations. Our deliverance from suffering is not limited to just getting out of bad situations. But rather, our goal is that knowing at the end of the day, a life of joyful suffering ends with meeting Jesus. This is why Paul in verse 20, he stresses that for him to live as Christ, to die is gain. Verse 20, backing up one, he stresses that to, he seeks to complete courage to preach Jesus always. The, the purpose of Paul's life isn't to fill his own selfish desires. We all have desires of our own heart that we wish to pursue. We all have something that we want to do selfishly. But the goal for Paul is to point to Jesus in every single moment of his life. And we as Christians should be convinced that the greatest thing we could do in any situation is point to Jesus through every single day and moment of our life. The crux of joyful suffering for Christ is this, as long as I live, Christ shall live within me and shine through me regardless of the circumstances that life throws my way. This is why back in 14, Paul states this, uh, that he will dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And as Christians, we have absolutely nothing to fear, knowing that we are living, rejoicing, and suffering for the sake of the good news of the gospel. Which means that our confidence leads to a perspective of peace. I want you to think about this line, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you get to be with Jesus. The worst thing that can happen to you in this life is if you've put your faith in Jesus, the worst thing will be that you get to be with him. Imagine leaving church today. On the way home, you get a, you get a call. It's your boss. You've been fired. Don't even come in tomorrow. I've had this happen before. It's not fun. And imagine in this call, you're distraught and you're distracted and you get in a wreck. And your wreck leads to you being hospitalized with critical injuries of which you ultimately pass. If you have put your faith in Jesus, the worst part about your day is that you now get to be with him. Hence, Paul's famous statement in verse 21, speaking about his sufferings, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul's perspective was such that Jesus was the center of all things, even the most tumultuous, which means the worst of worst times in his life. And if he were to die, his gain would be getting to be with the one who he's preaching about, who he's living for. The art of suffering well involves living for and as Christ in such a way that every facet of our lives points to Jesus. It is living for such, with such courage for him that we are confident that when we pass, we will finally be with the one 
who we have spent our entire lives telling the world about. And suffering has the ability, though, to destroy us or shift our perspective if we are not grounded in Christ. As we see with Paul, however, even in the midst of his imprisonment, joyful suffering for the gospel produces a perspective centered on proclaiming Christ, which leads to us having a grounded perspective in our deliverance from suffering. Finally, beginning in verse 22, we we learn that joyful suffering produces perseverance. Much like Paul, if I had the option to go either on living in this world or to be with Jesus, I would pick Jesus any day. I love my wife. I love this church. I love this city. I love my friends. But a moment with Jesus surpasses any day in this world. So much like Paul, I, I greatly relate to this. But however, we as Christians have a duty to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Our mission and vision is to provide every man, woman, and child with repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we cannot do that if we aren't present. The Christian, like Paul, ought to face the paradox that we see here in verses 22 and 23. He says, if I'm to go on living in this body, that will mean fruitful labor, yet what shall I do? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to be with, depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Gospel perseverance occurs when we recognize that proclaiming the gospel is of greater importance than our worst situations of suffering. At our worst day, the worst news you have ever received in your life, the lowest point that you have ever been, it is in those moments as well as our greatest highs that our goal and mission should be to tell the world about King Jesus and how he saves, how he delivers, and how he reigns. But we all know that in the lowest points of our lives, freedom from suffering is the only thing that we want. No one likes to suffer. It's awful. It's terrible to be in seasons of suffering. I I remember years ago, um, my, my parents actually got a divorce. Uh, I will say, though, that by God's grace, they have remarried one another. They have become a powerful witness for Christ, and they now counsel younger couples who are facing many of the same situations that they did leading up to their time of divorce. Uh, But at that time of their divorce, I spent every single day wanting that nightmare to end. It was horrible. Every day was turmoil. It was our family was strains, there was anger, there were tears, it was painful. I moved in with my mom actually to, to help her out and I, I think if I counted right, we moved three or four times in one year. We just kept moving from house to house to house trying to find a good place to live. I had difficult parents with both of my parents, with my siblings, with friends, with the church that I was serving in and suffering 
was truly the mark of our lives for many years. Uh, But in all that I knew that God was sovereign and that our lives could be used for the benefit of his name and his kingdom. I actually remember one day someone asked me, how are you doing so well? It was a a decent friend of mine and they knew uh, the situation, the years that my family was going through and they were baffled. They're like, "How, how are you just not falling apart? Your family is completely in ruin. You've moved three times. There's no stability. How are you doing so well? And I told them that I either had the option to let Satan grip me and pull me away from my faith, or I could push into my faith and continue to be a light for him. I could either succumb to suffering and let my life fall apart. And let me tell you, there were many days that I just wanted to give up. I was done. I'm like, this is awful. This life is terrible. I don't care. Is God even here? Or I could press into my faith, continue to boast about Jesus. And so I did. I persevered. Even in the days when the pain and suffering of our family gripped me, I sought to proclaim and rest in who Jesus is. At the time, I was actually working in another church, full-time in ministry. I was counseling others. Uh, I was bearing witness daily to friends, both Christian and non-Christians. And as I mentioned, either people pay attention to us in our times of suffering. They watch. We all do. But I knew that I was faced with the decision to either point to Jesus in a long season of suffering or I could abandon my faith, which ultimately would be a poor witness to the saving grace and the transforming power of the gospel. If I am saved in Christ, I know that I may persevere or press on or continue without stopping in Christ. Our sufferings, they shouldn't take us away from the world. While being with joy, Jesus is a joy that none of us will be able to comprehend until we are there with him. Remaining present and boasting in Jesus will produce a strength and a perseverance in our times of suffering. It will produce joy knowing that we can still be effective disciples for Jesus even when the darkness of life has clouded our days. Because Christ, he is a light worthy to be praised. And you all, I, we can be a shining light in this dark, suffering-driven world, sharing the message and the effectiveness and the power of the gospel. Verse 25 says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound because of me. And this, those were the words of Paul. Perseverance is the continual drive to never quit, to never give up, and to never stop boasting or bragging is another good word for that, bragging in Jesus. When we push into our times of suffering, as difficult and painful as they may be, joyful suffering gives us the strength to continue to do ministry. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you are a minister for the kingdom of God. Ministers, pastors, preachers, priests, church staff are not the only people who are called to minister for the kingdom of God 
If you have put your faith in Jesus, you are also a minister for that, for that kingdom and can tell the world about Jesus through your life. To remain present in our sufferings means we get to exalt or lift up Jesus and seek the benefit of him. And you can use your suffering for the good of the church and the kingdom of God in such a way that your strength is heightened as well as the perseverance around you. You become an encouragement to others to press on, press on in our times of struggle. But like a never-ceasing circle, the confidence, perspective, and perseverance that joyful suffering produces will transform us daily into more devo devoted followers of Jesus. And as we point to Jesus in the times where we feel like God has abandoned us, the world will bear witness to a truth and a gospel that is more powerful than the darkest parts of our life. So what do we do? I have, I have four, four small things that we, can, that we can do in our times of suffering. Firstly, I, I presented a very brief gospel at the beginning of uh, this time. And if you have not put your faith in Jesus, but today you believe that Jesus has died on the cross for your sins and nothing by your actions or good works can save you other than putting your faith in him and his atoning death, then today we invite you to put your faith in him. Confess to him your sin. Proclaim him as your Lord and your Savior, believing that he has died on the cross for your sins and risen on the third day. If that is something that you would like to do today, then please, after our service, we invite you to, to come up here. I'll be up here in the corner, and I would love to talk with you and lead you to putting your faith in Jesus this morning. The second thing we can all do, we all do talk about our hardships. We do talk about our sufferings. And so uh, my challenge as Paul's is, is that as you are facing hardships in life, as you are in seasons of suffering, talk about your faith. How is your faith in Jesus doing? Are you remaining strong in him? Are you questioning him? How are your seasons of suffering leading you to becoming a more faithful follower of Jesus? Whether you've lost a job, a family member, you have family drama, finances are awful. Whatever the circumstances, we have all faced suffering. And what we can do to bear witness to Jesus is to talk about our faith in correlation to suffering. I actually have a pastor friend who uh, this past week told me about a um, very saddening um, uh, occurrence that has happened in his family and he texted me and he said there have been many tears but we know that God is still in control and just that sort of recognition of God's power sovereignty and control helps others remain confident in their faith third use your hardships and sufferings to analyze your faith does going through bad times pull you away from Jesus? Do you tend to question God when you're suffering? Do you go, God, why are you doing this to me? Do you respond in impatience or anger? Do you just pull away? Or do your hardships bring you closer to Jesus? 
Do we seek him harder, even when we don't have the words to say? If you've never read through the book of Job in the Old Testament, I I encourage you to read through it as it, it deals with the powerful question of why do times of suffering comes to those who have done nothing wrong? And God's response is powerful and pointing to his control and sovereignty over all things. And fourth, in times of suffering, seek out each other. This life was never designed to be done alone. Christianity is not designed to be done alone. That's why we have a church. That's why every single Sunday we meet. That's why if you're in a house church, you meet every week with a group of people. We as people know that being alone is hard. We're called to community with one another. And especially in our times of suffering, press into one another. Develop new friendships. Come to the church and say, here's where I'm at. Because when we, put, when we build our relationships with each other, we can bear more through our sufferings and be encouraged to point to Jesus and grow in our faith and love and devotion to him. The art of joyful suffering, it'll bring about a confidence, a perspective, and a perseverance in your life that is only found in a faith in Jesus. And although sufferings are awful, a life devoted to Christ makes our seasons of hardship all the more bearable. And you can use your time of suffering to bring others to the saving faith of Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. And this morning, as we have taken a few moments to examine your word, I pray that we would be encouraged to seek you in our times of suffering. All of us, either now or at some point or in the future, have experienced suffering. We know that this life is hard. But we also know that we have a Savior who is steadfast, full of grace, love, and mercy, and justice. We know that we have a God who pursues. We know that there is a good news of the gospel that is worthy of proclaiming to the world around us. And I pray this morning that all of us in our times of joy and trial use our circumstances to point to the saving grace of the gospel. I pray that our lives are set on being a light for Jesus. That in all things, we know that you continue to reign on your throne, Lord. That you are all sovereign over all things. And that you can work through any circumstance of our life. Use us today. I pray that we invite you into our life to continually shape us to be more faithful followers of you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.